everybody. Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about contemporary black and white films, part two. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to our episode. Um, We're here today to talk about Cold War and Embrace of the Serpent. Um, If you want to hear part one of our conversation about... Um, Nebraska and Good Night and Good Luck and why we chose this category and some initial thoughts on contemporary black and white films. That's all in part one. Go listen to that episode and enjoy that too. All right. We have come to the international film part of our, of our podcast. We each chose one, which was a little bit of a shocker. No, it's not. No. No, there, we you didn't have any other American films to pick. <laughs> um, I could have picked um, Coffee and Cigarettes, maybe? Oh, you've seen that. Yeah, we were, we were running short. We were running short. I'm glad neither of us was like, yes, let's sit down to watch The Artist. I just, I don't want to do it. I'm glad we did not. There's always time. That, yeah, you know, if we ever are like our best, uh, worst, worst, <laughs> worst best picture winners, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to the artist. Twenty eleven, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but twenty eleven is a was a weak year at the Oscars, and maybe just a weak year for movies overall. Um, let's see. Let me let me pull up my 2011 list and let me tell you how I feel about that. Great. Um, list name. 2011. Let's see. 2011. Oh, I only have two. I haven't finished my 2011. <laughs> it has two on there. It's got Cars Two and Toast. Oh, what a, what a, what a combination. <laughs> <sighs> all right uh would you like some 2011 films that 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 were around in 2011 um drive thor cabin in the woods yeah. paris tree of life oh tree of life there's also um moneyball the help uh, bridesmaid a separation hangover part two did you say beginners uh no beginners beginner <laughs> take shelter warrior attack the block breaking dawn part one <laughs> 50 oh and the most popular film of 2020 contagion uh yeah the actual documentary contagion what a time to what a time it took me till like december but i finally got around to contagion i still haven't seen it Uh, you know it's just steven soderbergh understanding what human nature is does he understand what human nature is i mean sometimes like in oceans 11 specifically in oceans 12 he really nails it down there i don't think that's true i don't think so either i don't yeah. like that film you like have like threatened it before 
Yeah, absolutely. It is on my list of uh, movies I would consider to be the worst of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever happened to Channing Tatum? A really good question, but I would like Channing Tatum back, please. Can we, can, can that happen? Did he burn brightly? Yeah, he, uh, he was a real... Right. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. Are we doing Cold War right now? No, we are going in chronological order. Okay, I cannot remember which one of these ones is was first. So, Embrace well, of the Serpent. Cold War came out like, it, it was the Roma year. So okay. it, was, it was right around the corner. Um, Embrace of the Serpent came out in 2015. All right, well, Kylie... Ooh that us up it was one of the best years for international films um it lost to son of sal however it was also the year that mustang was also nominated mm-hmm. another film that i quite enjoy um embrace of the serpent is a is uh the story of two different explorers um and we have two different temporalities. <laughs> and in one of them, we are um, in the past and we have an explorer who is ill, who is trying to find a plant that is supposedly going to heal him. Um, and so he finds a native to um, the Amazon river to help him uh, find this plant that will help cure, cure him. Um, and it, we follow their journey. The second one is it's the same, um, it's the same native, um, but a different explorer. Uh, he is much older now and he, the new explorer tells him that he wants to study that same plant. Um, and so they go off to find this plant as well. And we kind of, we are kind of exploring um, colonialism in South America, um, especially with the uh, increase of rubber plantations um, and the effect that it has on the people there. I did not realize that this was tentatively based on a quote-unquote true story. I had no, I did not know that till after I'd done some research afterwards. The explorers are based on real people. Yes, yeah, um, and then the story is apparently based on their journals. So however truthful those are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. There is something that I do want to read. Um, so this was a response from the indigenous community of, um, of the Amazon. So the film was well received by the Amazonian community featured in the film. A special screening was held in the jungles of Colombia in a makeshift cinema. With tribal people from all over the area showing up, not everyone could be seated. After the film finished, they asked for, they asked for it to be shown again. Although the film was celebrated, director uh, Ciro Guerra did stress that the film should not be used as an attempt to share traditional knowledge of the tribes, as what you see in the film is an imagined Amazon because the real Amazon doesn't fit into one film. Yeah, love that. This is also the first film from Colombia to be nominated for the international probably for any Oscar but specifically the best international film yeah yeah yeah. um I was really glad oh go ahead I love this movie it's 
great. <laughs> it also breaks the rule, and I think it's the only one that breaks the rule. There is a scene in color. And it's okay. It's okay. Uh, it's it still counts as a, as a black and white film. Yeah, there's a moment where we turn to 2001: The Space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was like, hey, like it's shocking when it happens because it's like <laughs> this whole time you've been like watching black and white, and then I imagine what it's like when you're watching Wizard of Oz back in 1939, and like yeah, you clutch your like chest because it's suddenly in color. Yeah. Um. I, to, to go off of what you were reading there as well, I would say that like one of, so my initial response is I like this movie a, a significant amount. I had not, obviously I hadn't seen it. So I was really appreciative that it was here and that we, we could look into it. Um, and one of my, one like one of my favorite elements of this is, is because this is a little bit of a familiar like story idea that is, that, that that's in cinema. Like, person goes to a uh, foreign land to them to go on a journey of discovery and find out about the people when really they're finding out about themselves. The twist here, which is a great one, which is something that should always happen and should have always happened. Um, this story is from the point of view of the people of the Amazon um, forest. Like it is, it is their story, even though that we have these two uh, outsider characters that are placed into it. And I think by making it their story, and I think by putting the point of view character as this same person, just in different time periods, I think really adds so much to what the filmmaker is trying to do and trying to say with this piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we, uh, uh, the main character um, who we did to see in two different um, time periods, uh, Karmakate, um, you kind of, see, you see how that character from the younger version of himself, how he grows into this older version. And I think that I think that it's a very satisfying film to watch that character's arc um, and watch that character is always, he's very reserved um, amongst the people that he's traveling with and the people that when they, they end up like finding other folks along the Amazon. Um, just the way that he interacts with them and like keeps his morals and keeps uh, his beliefs and traditions um, strong and part of his character, I think is very, is very clear and very um, engaging to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite elements of this movie are the technical elements of the movie. Um, I think that the way that the jungle is captured is it's, it's just stunning it really reminds me of some of the like photography that Werner Herzog did with Agira Wrath of God only just done in a kind of different way as well um and just of how naturalistic and how much that the the environment that is there and the cinematography that's used to, to, to capture it is not there just to be beautiful to look at, but to enhance 
what is happening with the story and how much that these people are in this nature and how the nature is affecting them and how much that that nature is important to every single person in this film and who lives there and stuff like that. I just think that on the whole in particular, the cinematography of this movie is stunning. Like it's, it's absolutely beautiful. This is a beautiful movie to watch. Josh, I love this film. <laughs> yes, tell me more, tell me why. I don't know, I just, so like, I remember when we went and saw The Lost City of Zed mm-hmm. and like, I was sitting there and I was kind of like, well, it's no embrace of the serpent, um, which is probably not a fair comparison because one is much more of an action-y film and the other one is more of a personal journey of self-discovery. It is, it is so, that sentence is, so true and yet it's kind of amusing that the lost city of z is the actiony film in that sentence which i don't know i just yeah <laughs> um i i genuinely care about these characters even uh, maybe not so much the second explorer but the first explorer yeah. um, the way that he is framed i think that um it is good to have, I never think that he takes the full focus of the film, which it would have been very easy for him to do that. Um, mm-hmm. However, I think that, I think that that character is very interesting to watch and he is engaging and you feel for him. But at the same time, you, I never fully take his side necessarily over um, karmic, car, karma, karma, Kate's side Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's done extremely well the second explorer you kind of I think that once you get to the second explorer you kind of have a lot less trust for him um, Mm -hmm. and you kind of find out why he's there however um, I think that there I think that these characters are just very well written and following their journey is very easy um there is like some moments of like very scary tension uh especially when we get to a particular location in both timelines um one of them is far more they're both very extremes um one of them is a way more extreme than the other one um and that always takes me out just a little bit uh because the the fear and the danger is far more like apparent in the second time that we visit that location. The first time you visit there, you can tell just because of the subtext of everything. And I think that that makes it a little bit more terrifying. Yeah. Um, yes, a hundred percent. I think that to take uh, something you were speaking about a little bit earlier is that the story is pretty easy to follow and that allows those emotional beats that you're talking about to really um to really be enhanced and enlightened this film does something that is good for all film like this is what all film really should do and should be striving for um 
and but it's especially helpful for for me in watching international films um because i have my dyslexic language barrier and like reading the film very quickly is very hard so like with international films it's very rare that i can catch all of the the plot points the significant the specifics of a plot point um on the first watch which i think is also true for this film like there are definitely elements of the plot where I'm like, I don't quite know how we got from here to there, but what is great. We got there by the Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah. What is great about this film is that it's visual language and it's, it's, it's creation helps tell the story. I never felt lost. I never felt like I didn't know where I was and it is all done through the visual medium of cinema. Um, And that is something that is so important to movies and I think to successful movies is, is that Embrace of the Serpent, as with a lot of great movies, can really only be told as successfully as a film, you know, whether it be narrative or documentary, whichever would, whichever you go about that, this story in particular as a narrative film is only successful in this format and that is i think a really good use of why it's a movie and why it's a film and and then to just allow me to be lost in this these people and this story and i think in particular the scene um that i really liked in this movie was there it's in the past sequences and there's this argument between um, the explorer and this tribe that they were staying with. And I think they're arguing over a compass um, because that um, the there was a miscommunication in the previous evening where he had given him the comp- given some people the compass to look at and they thought they were giving it to him as like a gift to keep. Um, and I think that it is within this entire conversation that you see the th- themes of this movie done really really well because it is about at least for me a lot of things it's about these two cultures coming trying to come together ultimately contrasting with each other having an argument and then when the explorer has to leave and is forced to leave behind the thing that he that he wanted to get back the 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 lead character the the lead character um tells him like no you you didn't have the right to get that back in this moment you were trying to express your privilege in getting that thing back even though it was yours to begin with and then even in that moment the explorer i think is trying to be like but i i wanted it back so that you could keep some of your culture the way that it was I can explain yeah. what's going on a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah, there's a lot going on tied to the themes of the movie, and I just like it a lot. What What's going on is that um, it, it's it's a it's a question of the knowledge of cultures, and like yeah. what what is the importance of what is the importance of the knowledge of your culture, and so this tribe bases a lot of their life on uh, the wind, and so like they've actually been able to calculate how. Uh, to utilize the wind to help help them with their lives. Whereas this explorer um, use, utilizes the compass for navigation. He doesn't rely on the winds like this, uh, this tribe does. And so what he is arguing, what the explorer is arguing is if they take that compass 
all of the knowledge that this culture has discovered is going to be lost because they won't need to teach that later down the line to future generations. Mm -hmm. so that's why I need that compass back. And Karmate says, you cannot stop them from learning. Yep. Yeah. And so like, even within that, even within that conversation, like there are pieces of both sides of the argument that make sense. And you understand, I understand mm -hmm. why the explorer is frustrated by that because he doesn't want that knowledge to just disappear. Um, and you also understand Karmate's uh, uh, perspective because he's like, well, you don't get to just keep the knowledge for yourself. Yep. And yeah. So, like that, it's their dueling personalities. Like, that is so it's so interesting mm -hmm. yeah i 100 percent. like that's so well put that's great yes yeah so that's i think my favorite sequence in the entire movie like i loved it a lot and you know like the sequence when we're on the rubber plantation and you want to swallow your tongue so that you don't have to feel sadness anymore i mean like that sequence that's a that's a strong word it was well made <laughs> uh um if I do have one kind of thought of something that was keeping me at a distance from this film and the, the story in general, it is weirdly enough, the actual thing that the reason why we're watching it, this is the one where I don't understand why it's in black and white. Like, I, and I think that that might just be because of, you know, and sometimes how, how I can look at why a black and white choices are made, but it seemed to me that like it allowed, it gave this remove and it almost put the story in the past when it felt like it was a really relevant and present story that I wanted to be in more. And I, I think that maybe it's just because of like when I do watch and see movies that are set in the Amazon, it is always almost always usually um, enhanced by the colors and the, the the textures and everything that is around you. And to take that away, I just I not think it's a bad choice by any means. I'm just I'm very curious by that choice actually, and and it was something that was a barrier that that I could lift up, but for now is there. Um. I kind of I kind of think that it might have been partly an artistic choice, but I also think that it might have just been easier to do black and white um, mm -hmm. on their budget um, with the lighting because they're they're traveling outside quite a bit, and I don't I I don't think that this film was had a ton of money backing it. There's a lot of natural lighting in there, so that that could be a really good 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 shower. Yeah, and so I, that's kind of like where I go to it. The other thing is maybe to set the, the time period of when mm -hmm. it occurs, um, mm -hmm. because that would have been like the black and white era. Um, but, you know, it's too good. <laughs> Nine <laughs> out of 10. I'm glad you finally watched it. Yeah, me too. I'm very glad that I got around to it. Not enough hugging not enough hugging yeah no indeed also uh, too much uh, evangelism also too much of that was it evangelism or was it catholicism yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i know the first time is definitely catholicism right they say the lord's prayer but 
That second time around, that's just a cult. <laughs> yeah, at that point, yes. <laughs> All right, any final thoughts on Embrace of the Serpent? Good movie. I think it's a really good... Uh, if you are interested in watching it, I think it's streaming free at a couple different places because um, it's on Canopy. So if you have a library card, you can access it on Canopy. And then it's also on Vudu for free right now um, if you have a Vudu account as well. It's Vudu with ads, but there, there was like not too many ad breaks so yeah because no one's watching this film this director goes on to continue to make films which was which was very cool to see um yeah a birds of passage which was on the shortlist for the international films for 2018 um he made that okay netflix series or it's like a limited series um that's coming out and then i think he has another movie coming out either last year or this year so, nice. Like this, Good. this director continues to got to continue to work, which I think that, like, which is exciting. A was lot. Of, it, go ahead. A lot of times it feels like, like so he, I mean, this film comes from Colombia. Like it feels like a lot of times, those countries will get one, like movie that'll like make a big impact and then it'll get that Oscar, but the mm-hmm. director and the people involved won't get another shot to make another movie. It's kind of right. like they had one big break and it was like, that's all that they get. Um, City of God is from Brazil. Cause I know that is also from South. Is that, I think that's right. Um, City of God. Uh, yes, Brazil. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then is the director that, that, that did Embrace of the Serpent, is this their first film or have they done stuff before this? Do you know? I think it's his first film. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Oh, here, here's what I have. Okay. It's not his first film. Okay. 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 Here. Okay. He has a couple of shorts. He has a documentary and then uh-huh. he, he did have two films that look like they were actually maybe real films okay um yes so he had one that was wandering called wandering shadows it was selected as the colombian entry for the best foreign language film that's what the international film used to be called at the 78th but it was not um accepted and then he had the wind journeys which was again selected as the colombian entry for the international film uh for the 82nd academy awards so columbia likes this guy (laughs) yeah absolutely and then in 2018 um birds of passage was the columbian entry for the best international film at the 91st academy awards but was not selected okay well nice well good i'm glad he's working and that he's able to to continue his career that's amazing he i mean for all the like ups and downs and political nonsense that is the academy it is nice because to see that it can prop up the careers of some international filmmakers i mean there are definitely some filmmakers like um that have gotten some notific- noticing by the academy first and then have been able to continue to do so um including people like somebody like oscar Farhadi or even the director of our next film pavel pavlovsky um you know have been able to work because of not because of it but they've been able to get more work and continue to do so because of that recognition 
All right, Josh. Here comes the most depressing film. <laughs> the most depressing film. All right. Um, okay, so our next film, our last film on this topic is going to be 2018's Cold War, directed by Pavel Pawlowski. And I think I'm pronouncing that right, but I apologize if I'm not. Um, and it is the story of a man and a woman and their... And their Cold War. Romance? More like sure that's the word i'll use the romance Uh, it's a cold war josh (laughs) romance set in the um post world war ii era of eastern europe um and yes the beginning of the cold war um metaphor for relationship yes it's a metaphor there it is um this film takes place in segments and basically each segment that we check in with checks in with a different point in the relationship between our lead couple and how the universe has um has brought them apart or kept them together i after watching this movie uh, the very the very end not a, not, not, not a spoiler yet the very end of it uh, the the dedication card that comes up is for my parents and I was like excuse me mm-hmm. excuse me Pavel mm-hmm. and so I went and I listened to an interview with Pavel Pawlikowski about this movie and he's like yeah this is my parents love story and I'm like Pavel Pavel buddy whoo Dude, this is the dude who made Ida. Like, it is the dude that made Ida. It is like, true. We like, <laughs> if you didn't think this was his parents' love story, I don't think you've been paying attention. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair, very fair indeed. Um, but yeah, so I pun fully intended. Um, I came away a little cold from this movie. Um, I liked, again, the visuals and the, the production design was great. The cinematography is really great. Um, and I think the, perf- I, I do think the director and the actors, I think that, I think the crew made the movie they wanted to make. I don't think I enjoyed watching it very much. it's a it's a rough watch yeah very and i expected this i expected that i expect i kind of expected that tone um maybe at the beginning i was actually surprised that it seemed like a pretty lighthearted tone and like it wasn't depressing and you're kind of like wow maybe this guy like has hope in his life and then, like, eh, doesn't last very long. <laughs> no, no. Um, there uh, is a moment where it's a lot like La La Land, where we're in a jazz club, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it's the it's La La." Land. <laughs> yes, because all movies set in jazz clubs are just La La Land. Well, yes, they had course. different. They were in different parts of their lives with different people, and they look at each other knowingly that their love had made a difference in their lives, and then they continued to ruin their lives. 
You're not wrong. Literally, one of the reviews on Letterboxd that I chuckled at was Pavel Pavlovsky's La La Land. So you're definitely right, like in the sense there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is a, this is, it, this film is, just, I might be summing it up a little bit too curtly, but it's, it's just, it's essentially a film about broken people in a broken relationship um, and kind of like what that means to be happening. Um, and I mean, there's also some like external causes of things, uh, especially like the political atmosphere um, and the social atmosphere of things that contributes to kind of like this failing up and down relationship. However, like these characters as you're watching them I was kind of internally screaming of like, why? Why mm -hmm. do you continue to do this? Yeah. Um, and so like it, I, I, I always have empathy for the characters, but there are moments where I don't know if I have sympathy for them. Oh, that's really good. That's solid. I agree with that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I literally wrote down the same words to say out loud of a broken people going through a broken society. Like, I think that that's a really solid way of putting out what this movie is and what it does and what it's trying to do. Um, I, I think I respect this movie more than I like this movie. I don't know how much I would sit through, watch it again. I would, I would sit, I would watch Ida again like that's a movie that I think like does does what it's trying to do really well and I, I'm with that movie a lot more what I was interested in terms of this movie and why I picked it in, in, in here as well is like in 2018 at the Oscars Pavel Pawlikowski got a surprise directing nomination for this movie um and I was like oh like just the fact that like the international branch and the directing branch saw it there I was like okay let's see what is here and it was a movie that I didn't get around to during that Oscar season so I was happy to kind of try to That's to get around to it now it like never got released it got released like three months after the Oscars yeah and it was on like Amazon had it it's just sitting on prime like <laughs> what are you doing Amazon? They didn't. Um, they didn't release it. It was, it was a very strange, it was, it was a very strange time. Um, and I think that, I think that one of the unfortunate things about the year that this came out, and it's not, it's not unfortunate. I shouldn't say that maybe unfortunate for this film is this came out the Roma year. And mm -hmm. from the start, um, we kind of already knew that Roma was going to dominate the, um, international right. films. And so like, for, from my perspective, because I'm not you who has to check all the boxes, um, it kind of then felt like, well, there's no point in me going and like watching all these. I, there is a point to me going and watching all the other films. There's no right. point in me rushing to do it because I already know what's going to, I know what the outcome is going to be. Um, right. So like, if it's like, I want to see all of the, the big contenders before the Oscars, it didn't feel like I actually needed to watch any of the other international films because, right. it, and so like, this is also the first time I had seen this. Um, something about this film is that as it goes through, it's like different, like kind of sections. It, what the film is trying to do is trying to model different style of French film in different eras. Um, 
Uh-huh. And so I don't know if you picked up on that. I, I did not know. I just knew it because I had um, listened to a podcast that talked about it. Um, I'm not as fluent with uh, the history of fr- French fl- films to pick up on that. But I think that that's one of the reasons why the cinematography was nominated was because it kind of changes its style to match these different time periods of French cinema. Mm-hmm. But, but now you now you know or now yeah, you know. I did know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think some of the things that I definitely learned from listening to Pavel talk about this film was of how personal it was for him and I think that those are some of the touches that you can see because there's a lot of specificity in what these characters are who they are I should say and what they're going through and I think that some of that specificity is what allows me to become very empathetic towards them and to see their journey and to see the things and I do like the idea that like there would have had to have been love and romance in post-war Poland, even though it was a very difficult place to live in. And what does that look like? Or what does a version of that look like? I think is a really interesting setup and conceit for a movie as well. Um, So yeah, I think that it succeeds on those levels very, very successfully um, in terms of just setting up an interesting premise and allowing the people to, and allowing the characters to live in that moment and to see what it's like. Yeah, it kind of makes a, it kind of, uh, it makes us look back on uh, history with a very, it makes (laughs) us look back on history as not just a this happened this happened not like a timeline however it allows you to like feel the significance of things and how it affected a lot of the things that we take for granted such as being able to create a relationship and things like that i don't yeah. think this is a bad film correct um and like i i can i can like sit down and watch hard films all the time like i have no heart <laughs> but uh, but this the, the the message or the themes that were being explored were just not as satisfying to me as a lot of other films mm-hmm. that deal with difficult things are and that may be because it is a, like it is so personal to the director um but i i just don't walk away with like a greater a greater like a greater like self-actualization like a lot yeah. of other films can do yeah absolutely um the choice for black and white seems pretty straightforward here as well i think he's paying homage to many of the filmmakers that probably he uh likes and grew up on and all of those things that are there as well as well as setting it in a time and a place and I think that it just it's 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 a it's just all the the kind of checkboxes reasons of why you do black and white and that's not I don't say that in a bad way but like I don't think there's any complicated reasons as to why this is black and white other than like it just makes sense (laughs) yeah you had mentioned earlier with um, 2015 being a really great year for international film. 
Um, and when I was kind of looking through, I was remembering that I remember 2018 also being a really good year for international film because not only do you have Roma you and Cold War, um, you also have um, Shoplifters uh, from Japan and you've got Burning from South Korea as well. Um, and Burning doesn't even make the, the, the list of film it doesn't even make the, the nominations which is kind of bonkers as well um and so yeah it's just this also is another good year for international films if you're looking for like a good collection of of things to watch yeah oh it also um this is also never look away which mm-hmm. was another film that i heard a lot about i think it also it, got a, did it get a it, no it gets a cinematography nomination it, okay yeah and then I haven't actually heard of this last one called Capernaum. Capernaum, yeah. Um, it's from Lebanon, and I um I remember like reading the description of it at the time and being like, that sounds heavy. I'm just gonna put that out there in the world. I'm gonna make a statement that if you want the, if you want to be nominated for international film, your film is gonna be heavy, unless unless it's Roma. <laughs> Roma still is also heavy at times. Yeah yeah there's i i would say that rome is also a heavy film maybe not at first but by the end it is uh, right i guess that like roma just has an accessibility in it in the fact that like you can you're experiencing these stories and this is maybe just uh, i would say it's a personal take you're experiencing the, experiencing the story through the eyes of the characters who you get time to know and you get to know their journey as well so as it is a heavy film in those ways much like Nebraska, because I've got characters that can help me through, it doesn't feel as like heavy on my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to see that some like international the international films do get like it's like kind of picking up steam because before that definitely like wasn't true. the case. Yeah, um, and I think that that's part of this like the slow change of the Academy. Um, where, and if it's going to remain relevant, which I, I, for all its faults, I hope that it, it does. It, it manages to change as it needs to. But with its growing pool of people that are in the Academy it, it, and it's growing towards finding a more diverse voting body, I think what you're, that is one of the side effects is is that the interna- the international film and the directing categories have become more and more international they've become more diverse in terms of at least um diversity and race um as the pool of people has has um continued to grow i did not watch the oscars this year yeah because i had seen maybe two films and i was just like it's fine (laughs) life will go on but I'm going to guess that this year was won by one Mr. Thomas Wittenberg for another round. You're saying he won international film? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. I don't think he would have won director, Josh. Well, listen, you never know. He could have taken it from Chloe Zhao. Oh, because... so, did won? so did No Man Land win best? Yeah. Did you not fall? Did, did you happen to not be involved in any of the controversy of the Oscars this year? Anne told me this. Anne said that Best Picture was not was not announced last. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought, huh, it's a weird choice. <laughs> I. She then told me 
that Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. Uh huh. Where people were more expecting it to be uh, Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what movie he was in. Was it the the Five Bloods? It's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You know, I knew he was in the Five Bloods, and I did not know what that film is. Um, sorry, folks. The year twenty twenty—it's a wash. Let's just. The year 2021 feels like a wash, honestly, also. I have put no effort into trying to figure out what's coming out this year. I'm here for you when you want to be involved with that conversation again. I'm here for you as always. I just, Josh, I just, maybe this is the year I go back and I, like, watch the 90s films. Just just all of them, starting with, like, the film released on January 1, 1990 through December 31st, 1999? Seems like it would be very difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely. Seems like a lot of movies. Um, okay, but, okay, so Anthony Hopkins won. Um, and I actually hear that he was good in this performance. Now, I haven't seen it. Yep. I heard the, like, pretty good performance. Um, and then in the middle of his speech, it cut off. He didn't give a speech. He wasn't there. Why? Well, I guess. Okay, 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 okay. Listen, I'm going to rant about the Oscars and be last, but the person to rant about it out loud, but I'm going to do it anyway. Also, I've got several TikToks. It'll be new for me because I I don't Uh, know anything. Who who, who won actress? Wait, so if No Man Land won, did Frances McDormand get another Oscar? Yes, okay. So the picture is Nomad Land. And Best Director is Chloe Zhao, and Best Actress is Frances McDormand. And the winner for Best Actor is Anthony Hopkins. Um, Daniel Kaluuya has Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah, and um, Best Supporting Actress went to Yeojun Yoon from Minari. Those are your, like, headline categories. Um, this and year's Thomas Oscars... Berg won for another round. Yes, yes, and gave a beautiful speech that made all of us cry. That is a hundred percent true. Did he think Mads? Uh, yeah, briefly. It was mostly about his daughter. All you know, that's all I need. I just need like Mads. You're my light, the light of my life. (laughs) My most Uh successful films star you. So maybe like there's a connection there. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay. So this ceremony, which is produced by good Steven Soderbergh, here we go. Um, and his whole thing was like, uh, I think he wanted to make like a cool like cocktail party for just those in Hollywood. And I get it. There are many reasons why 2020 Oscars need to be different. I'm not going to go into the whole thing because like there are many places and many folks that you could talk to about the whole thing about why there are a bunch of weird choices. The one that bothers me like that out of all the producing choices is there's no clips he was just like, nope, forget it. We're not showing clips of the movies this year. We're just going to talk to you about this. Because as an all-good filmmaking, we need to tell, not show. Get out of here, Steven Soderbergh. Don't get out of here. What if, Dis- what if, what if instead he had like, here's what I would have done if I was him. Actually, this, here's what I would have done if I'm doing a parody of this. I would uh-huh. have shown clips, but I would have recorded them on a cell phone. Great. Like, right Great. on TV. Would have been better. 
better. Would have been better. Listen, I like Hollywood like trivia and like actors coming out and being like, my fellow actors, you're so amazing. Here is why. It's fine. For me, make the Oscars six hours long and celebrate the movies for like a week. I don't really care. Like, this is what I would like. This movie felt like, this ceremony felt like it needed to get in and out as fast as possible. They're like, nobody freaking cares. And I'm like, well, then why do it? If you're going to have the attitude of nobody freaking cares, why are you doing it still, Oscars? Anyway, I wish they would have pretended like people cared. That's at least what I would have liked. Anyway, so he makes a choice to move Best Picture to being the third to last category that's presented. Also, director is presented in the middle of the of, in the middle of the ceremony as well. So the things that are usually last are moved forward. Well, yeah, you start out with one of the supporting actors or actress. I don't remember which one. Uh-huh. And then after Usually that, supporting actor. Yeah. Actor. Um, and then after that, oh, right. Because I, I didn't stick around for much of like the 2013 Oscars. But I remember seeing Jared Leto's speech and then I like shortly left. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and so this year they did screenplays first and then they did um, international feature and then they did supporting actor, which that one logistically made sense because a lot of the screenplays and international feature nominees were not in LA. They were at these remote sites in different places of the world, including Europe and Australia. So they're like, let's do these categories early so these people can go to bed. It is very late over there. So like, Cool. That makes sense. All right. Fair enough. So, okay. The whole thing leading up to this is it was almost a foregone conclusion that three things were going to happen. One, Nomadland was going to win Best Picture. Chloe Zhao was going to win Best Director. And Chad McBoseman was going to win Actor. Those were the things that were like the the pretty much foregone conclusions of the entire night. Hmm. So I'm assuming that the team planned around these things because you want to, if Chad McBoseman is going to win Best Actor, you would like that to be your big final moment because it'll be nice and emotional. Everybody will get to celebrate his family. His widow was there. Like if we were all going to like have that moment. Oh my gosh. It would have been like Michelle Williams going up and accepting the Oscar for Heath Ledger. Yes. And it would have been this kind of nice way to end this really hard year to just have this one final moment of celebration for Chadwick Boseman. That didn't happen because at the end of the night, instead the Academy picked Anthony Hopkins. No shade on Anthony Hopkins. I've watched The Father. He's excellent in it. It's probably his best performance since Silence of the Lambs. Like genuinely very good performance. However, I, I just, the Oscars have to do better. The Academy has to do better. This idea that it is awarding the best is nonsense, is utter nonsense. It has never been awarding the best at anything because if that was true, you wouldn't have spent 90 years predominantly rewarding only white people. Like it is not the best, it is political. It is about honoring film history. That's what it always has been. Hopkins already has an award why you had one chance to honor this person who means so much to your industry a whole bunch of people like you had a chance you had the chance to do something and you said nope old white guy 
that's who we're going to give it to. And then I think that that was, that was compounded by two things. One, the producers assuming that this moment wasn't going to happen. So that there was going to have a Chadwick moment, not an Anthony Hopkins moment. So they put it last. And two, Anthony Hopkins said for a long time out, I'm not coming. I'm in my 80s. I don't need this award show. I'm going to be here in Wales and I'm going to adopt a dog on Instagram. That's what I'm doing on the Oscar days. Bye, everybody. I don't need you. The last time he was nominated, which I don't remember what it was for, but it was somewhat recent. What? Two popes. Two popes. He was one of them popes. He didn't come that year either. Like, he doesn't come anymore. That's not what he does. So, literally, they ended up with a scenario where Joaquin Phoenix is on stage because, you know. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Oh! 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 The that just seems like I imagine what he did. And so rating best actor Joaquin Phoenix, awkward as crud on stage, is like, and the winner is Anthony Hopkins. And he's like looking around like, I don't even know what to do. And he just like says very quickly, the Academy accepts this, this honor and award of Anthony Hopkins. And then the show cuts to Questlove, who is the DJ, and is like, bye! And the show is off air 30 seconds after the last award is announced because they're like, we done messed this up so bad. I have a question. Yeah. I got a good question. So yeah. like, the producers kind of had this plan. Do they not, did they not know who was who was in the envelope? Did so they know? No, and this is the thing, is like, this is how the La La Land Moonlight thing also happened, is because theoretically, like, not theoretically, actually, the people of Price Waterhouse, who are the people who count the Oscar votes, they only are the only people who know and they keep it secret. So nobody knows until it's announced on stage. So they were taking a gamble that this was going to happen, but then it ends up there's them using the image of Chadwick Boseman to sell seats to, or to, to get ratings to the Oscars and like to sell this image of how cool and great they are and they give it to somebody else. It ends up being in really poor taste. And again, they shouldn't know, I agree. But also you shouldn't bank on this happening if you don't know. Um, yeah, maybe the, like if I worked for the Waterhouse, whoever you said people, maybe I would have been Waterhouse, like, hey, yes. hey. <laughs> what if what if best actor wasn't at the end (laughs) yeah so the other thing that I think is problematic and harmful about this whole thing is is you make this choice to move this forward because you want to rely on this Chadwick Boseman moment but the other two things that were foregone conclusions about the Oscars was that Chloe Zhao was going to win best director and more than likely Nomadland was going to win best picture and you put it in the middle so that she doesn't have the final, like she doesn't get the final moment. Yes, like you know, this is the second time that a woman has won this award and it's the first time that a woman of Asian descent has won this award and you're going to shove it in the middle of the show as something that, I, I don't know, I, I guess you could argue that it's like it's a pillar of the middle of the show to keep people watching, but like 
it just seems really disrespectful to her as well. And it takes away her moment because if this Chadwick Boseman thing had happened in the middle of the show or near, like, because Best Actor is near the end of the show as well, mm-hmm. you could have at least had the moments where Chloe Zhao was winning and Nomadland was winning to like as a palate cleanser. And maybe we could have at the very least been celebrating Chloe Zhao more than yelling about Anthony Hopkins. You know, and I think that that it just, it, there are so many reasons why it was there. And then within all of this, the other thing that was kind of like best actress was really like up in the air this year between, um, it was between like three people of Frances McDormand for Nomadland, Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. And I think that there was a lot of people that were like kind of leaning towards Viola as well because she had won some of the um, precursor awards. And even though it was still up in the air, it had seen seemed like she was gonna win that award. But then, so they do best picture. So you've got Frances McDormand who then comes on after winning best picture and she's a producer. So she spoke there as well um, to win best actress, which just started this weird chain of events where it went Frances, Mc, like best picture out of order, Francis McDormand over Viola Davis, Anthony Hopkins over Chadwick Boseman. And it just spiraled out of control in terms of like reaction and like just reading things and people's reactions. And like some of that is out of the control of the producers, but also so much of it is just like, you could have done this differently as an academy and as producers. And I feel zero sympathy for you, but but also like just do better next year, please on, anyway. This was a cluster. It was a real cluster. Well, you know what, Josh? Maybe you should just live in ignorant bliss like me. (laughs) (laughs) And I like my passions. I like them. Also, I literally like told Anne, I I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm never watching them again. As I've said this before, Mm -hmm. I will watch them again. I know you will. You're because you're a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, there you go. I just want them to do better. Just do better, Academy. That's what I want. Here, I'll produce also, it. Thank you. Yeah, and also, it's in order great. to get in order to get up to the stage to make your speech, you have to go through a ball pit. In my version of the Oscars, I'm ten out of ten on board with this. Let's go. The only way you can get out of it is if you are over the age of uh, sixty-five. Then we okay. will. We will let you go around the pulpit. But like, you then have to go uh, down the twirly slide. <laughs> Just imagine Joaquin Phoenix walking up for winning the Oscar and having to go through a pulpit. <laughs> Listen, that is the kind of silliness that I would be on board with at the Oscars. Let's go. And then, like, we slime someone. Oh, what if? What if it's I just the Kids' Choice Awards? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've figured it out. You, you've cracked it. You've cracked the code. I mean, this year's ceremony just kind of, for lack of better words, it felt disrespectful because of many. It didn't have appreciation for, I don't think, I don't think it had an appreciation for what people like about the movies and how the movie industry is growing and changing. 
it was probably a great party for the 50 people sitting in a train station in LA, but they that's- in, They were in a train station? Yeah, so they moved it to Union Station because it's an outdoor event. So, and that way they could run it like a film set. That way they didn't have to be at the Dolby Theater and have to have everybody wear masks and all this stuff. So they literally ran it like a film set to where when they were on camera, there was no mask, but they, they were masked when they were off camera. And then everybody had like, they all had COVID tests and they all got all the things. So they're doing it like a film set. So they did it in a train station in downtown LA. Why would it be so bad if we showed people wearing masks? Why would that be such um, a bad thing? Ask Steven Soderbergh because he was the one that apparently had the real hardcore no mask mandate. Oh my gosh. Okay, well. He was also the one that Anthony was like, Anthony at one point was like, listen, I'm going to be in Wales adopting a dog, but I'll zoom in. Like, I'll turn my camera on for you. And he was like, no, be here or nothing. And I was like, great. Okay, fine. It would have been interesting to actually hear a speech from Anthony Hopkins. He gave one the day after on Instagram because that's his platform, apparently. Um, and uh, he was very grateful, but he and he did very much say like he wanted to pay homage and honor to Chadwick Boseman as well. So like he was great about what the whole classy guy. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Hopkins, ten out of ten. Also. If this Chadwick Boseman performance doesn't exist, sure, give it, give it. But Chadwick's actually great. Chadwick is actually great about this whole thing as well. And it's like, sure, if you're like quantifying the two performances, you could probably have some quibbles either way. But like, that's not what this is about. It's never been about the best and it never will be. Yeah, it's about giving the Joker an Oscar. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, if you want to join us. Well, anyways. Um, I'm going to rate our movies. Oh, yeah, Number we got to do that. Four. <laughs> Number four is Good Night and Good Luck. Number three is Cold War. Number two is Nebraska. And number one is Embrace of the Serpent. Number one is Good Night oh, and Good that, Luck. That's not the order you go in. You go from four to one. <laughs> oh, sorry. Number four is Cold War. Number three is Nebraska. Number two is Embrace of the Serpent. And number one is Good Night and Good Luck. Wow, we almost had the same thing, except for like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> just circled back. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, should we announce what we're doing next month? Do we know what we're doing next month? Yeah, I've picked the category. Oh, great! What is it? We're gonna do. <laughs> Wait, really? Can I just? I can just. Yeah, just it? let's go. Whatever you say is what we're gonna do. You okay, have we're gonna do... the power. We're ooh, okay. We're gonna do films dealing film. <laughs> with our greatest fears. Okay. All right. Great. You're going to get a movie about a snake and a movie about being alone. Josh, I, I, get. I already got my two films picked out. Oh, okay. Great. Well, I, I got to think. I got to think about mine. Your film will be Synecdoche, New York. Uh, no, go away. That film. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. Somebody who I loved. Uh. Yeah, but this allows you to do a silly one for snakes and then oh man you're gonna make me watch snakes on a plane <laughs> no i'm gonna find a really serious snake documentary it's embrace gonna be about the it? life cycle of a snake embrace of the <laughs> part two
<laughs> All right, friends. Well, if you want to join the conversation, you can do so over at friendofriendpodcast.squarespace.com, uh, where you can send us a comment. We will let you know what we think about your comment here on the show. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, where it'd be great if you listen to our show or give us a rating. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd at DarbyACT. Kylie, is there any other information they should know? Uh, be excellent to each other. As always, quack, 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 quack. quack. quack.